was popping, was popping, was popping. Welcome, Nikki and Moose. I'm Nikki. That's Moose. What's up, Moose? What up, y'all? And on this episode, we're talking about is AI taking over the coaching realm? FTC sends a warning about AI. Uh, we have a new creator of the week. We finally, finally are talking about one of the most requested topics in our DMs, how to raise prices and when to do it. And then for this or that, we're talking about, are we supposed to actually monetize our passion? Moose, how are we feeling about this episode? Well balanced, man. You see, you see, like we're going high level. We're going uh, the, the the fundamentals. We're going to a, a, a very interesting topic about monetizing passions. Yeah, stay tuned. Skin to this intro. Two kids from Queens, cut from a different cloth. Now joining forces, helping you to elevate your personal brand. Yeah, I'm talking about Nikki and Moose, bringing you a never before seen perspective into the mindset, the mentality, the behaviors, the driving force, but more importantly, the stories behind the people and brands that you know and love the most. And of course, this episode is powered by Ecamm Live, the number one all-in-one streaming platform that allows you to do everything that Nikki and Moose is doing. When I say stream on all platforms, you're talking about Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, uh, Twitter, TikTok. It allows you to stream to all these different platforms at the same time, as well as do pre-recorded videos, video uh, isolation, audio isolations, transitions, text, everything that you're going to need to have a successful show, to have a successful course on and on. So what I need you to do to get this 14 day trial is go to www.nickyandmoose.com slash ecam. That's E-C-A-M-M for your 14 day trial on us. Hey, how smooth. Yeah, I mean, that was smooth. I, I, I yeah, practiced was... this about, you know, you know, over 20, 30 times, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm going to get it right one day. I'm going to get it right. Moose, how are we right. feeling? Man, feeling pretty good. Just been uh, ultra productive. Uh, I did a lot of work today, actually, considering a Saturday. Typically Saturdays, I try and kill it with like no meetings or anything. But uh, I had two meetings in the morning. I did about two or about two and a half hours of content we're redoing. Uh, the portal for the community and kind of relaunching things on that front. Did about two and a half hours podcast prep. Chilling, man. I'm I'm feeling great overall, but um, yeah, things are good. Things are good. Excited for the podcast. You're probably hearing this on a Tuesday, but we record on a Saturday. So if you got confused for three seconds, that's all because oh, we record on wow. a Saturday. <laughs> that's a fact. I told, I was just so in the moment, like, yo, yeah, no, nah, yeah, right this is all the stuff I did. This is great. <laughs> so in the moment, I totally no, it's forgot. All, it's, yeah. it's all good. I love it. Um, me, I'm still trying to get back into my routine. I hate wow. traveling because it takes like a day or three to get back in your mm. routine, and I'm not a fan of that. Like, if anybody knows a quicker way to get back into the routine, let me know. And it's always the one that you don't want to do, AKA working out, okay? Mm -hmm. I was good, I was great, I was doing it every single day, 
then I traveled and then it was more on the, okay, we got to get back to the morning prayer and then we got to get working out. No, we can work out tomorrow, but we go back to meditation. Then next day, like, oh, we do all that. Plus we get back into reading. We'll do the, the workout the next day. It's, it's too much. I'm not, I'm not a fan of this. I just I don't like it. But um, yeah, getting back into the routine is trash. So if anybody knows how to get back into routine in a quicker way, please let me know. I think I'm getting, I'm back on my routine, but then I'm traveling again in the middle of the week. So here we go. Man. And then next, in the following week I travel and the following week, I, it's just a lot. It's just a lot. Mm. It's a lot. Yeah, that's no joke. That's no joke. Yeah, the, the, I know presidents have a hack to it. Like they do a whole thing to, it's more sort of fight jet lag. So I don't know if, you know, that counts as the same, but I know uh, presidents have like a very strict or sophisticated way of making sure that they offset the jet lag because, you know, they're always flying all over the place, which I feel is, is the same thing. I, I mean, for me, I've always said it. Uh, if I, until I can find a way to take my shower and my bed on the road with me, um, it's, it's going to be a struggle. It's those two things. Literally, just give me my bed. Okay. Give me my shower and we straight take me anywhere. Like it, it's all good, but I just need the bed and the shower. They just, they do something to me. I don't know, Nick's like, it I just don't know. Some it gives beds, me a very, some beds are a little bit better than not really? all the time. On the road? Yeah. I yeah. Can there's see that. some beds. I don't, I don't know. I'm not trying to promote any hotel or whatever, but there's some beds. Cause I don't do Airbnb. Um, that are just like, oh my God, this is amazing. I didn't, I didn't know. And I didn't even know I needed all these pillows. Um, mm -hmm. But I'll, for some reason now I have a pillow for my arms and for each leg. And like, this is, <laughs> and now I'm floating on, it's the most yeah. amazing thing. So Carl some. told me a horror story about sheets at hotels. And ever since then, there's not one time I've been at a hotel. It could be the nice hotel. Like when I went to Vegas, the hotel was dope. Not going to lie. Nice view. Awesome room. The bathroom. Super right. dope. Right. But then I went to go to like just lay on the bed. And then sure enough, that same old story that Carl told me about the sheets, it just started playing in my head again. I was like, dang it. Put like a, put my prayer mat on the bed. Like I was like, let me just kind of lay on this instead of the sheets. So I don't know. I got to figure something out. But no, that's, that's at least what I know. Yeah. Okay, no, I, bad, not bad, but not so great hotels. You may have to worry about that. I don't know about yeah, yeah, yeah. other hotels, but hey, who am I? That's okay. Uh, it's, it's okay, it's okay. It's okay. Um, but before, before we get into the episode, don't forget that we have Creator Av, okay? Creator Ave is a new audio experience that we do every Friday at 6 a.m. That is the intersection between branding and business. And it's just me and Moose really getting into the weeds of what it takes to build a brand and a business. Everything from content strategy to uh, team communication to active and passive uh, situation. It's it's a it's a vibe, okay? So definitely a go check check out a uh, Creator Ave. 
Fridays at 6 a.m. on all your favorite podcast players. I wanted to make sure I said that uh, before anything, okay? Uh, before before we go, before before, I, I, like I'm I'm stalling this episode. I know people. I know I'm stalling. Um, mm. How are you like mentally feeling? How are you mentally feeling? I'm feeling really good mentally, honestly. I I think people are starting to think almost that I'm crazy because I'm really just not phased by nearly half of the things that would have impacted me in the past. And I'm also entering an incredibly big chapter in my life. And I think people are just so surprised that I'm not moved or shaked by it. And I just try to explain to them, like, I literally feel as though I have been getting prepared for this season my whole life. And now the season is whole is is here. So you're not like panicking, like, oh my God. It's just like I've been I've been getting ready for this for legit 32 years. There's there's no surprise. So uh, I'm chilling. Even my mom. And I know it's crazy because my mom, who's the most supportive person on the planet, at least when it comes to me, she's like, Yeah, you're a little crazy. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So I'm I'm definitely entering that that mode. But I'm just uh, I'm grateful, man. I think uh, the healed version of ourselves is the thing that we all need. So that's, uh, I'm grateful to have done this work six months ago because now I'm kind of going into this space where I'm like, okay, cool. Hey, stay present, do what you got to do and let's just handle it day by day. So thank you for asking. How are you hey, though? I'm Gucci. My mental is great. Tell you, that meditation thing always gets me great. Okay, now let's get into this episode. And of course, uh, we're going with What's Poppin' and What's Poppin' is sponsored by Deeper Than The Brand. This segment is sponsored by them, and it's the number one content branding community that shows you how to confidently and authentically build a brand, grow a social media presence, and build digital wealth. Go to deeperthanthebrand.com. You see I'm rocking the gear, but that's, you know, neither here nor there. So let's talk about this, all right? Have you ever wanted a YouTube coach, right? Like your own personal YouTube coach. However, what if I told you it was AI, right? Now, in this past week, OpenAI actually released ChatGPT's API. And that sounds like super over your head, but, but watch what I mean by this. This means that other software companies, businesses can now integrate ChatGPT into their business. And so there's this one company called vidIQ, which we use that not only helps you rank on YouTube with like get more views, rank up like top five videos and everything, but now they integrated ChatGPT to be able to be your AI YouTube coach. So what do you do with this? Now, everything from fixing titles to getting scripts for your videos, fixing your video descriptions, content ideas, you could do this just by a chatbot-like situation, just like ChatGPT. But they already have certain things that are programmed for you. So if you're saying, yo, can you fix this YouTube title and you just copy and paste your old one into the chat, it's going to come up with a new uh, title for you, new script for you, new content ideas, which is genius because what's happening is that instead of just getting overwhelmed using ChatGPT, now businesses are saying, hey, 
let me niche it down and use certain keywords that or questions that we would ask and let's put it in our own format. So that's exactly what it is. It's ChatGPT, but inside of vidIQ, which will allow you to ask everything YouTube-wise. So shout out to vidIQ. If you want to sign up for vidIQ and, and get your own AI YouTube co uh, coach, get keywords, daily ideas, titles, the whole nine, we're putting the link in the description, of course. It's going to be in the show notes. But this is just something that will now open up business owners' minds of how do we start integrating AI into our businesses that are specifically niched down to what we do. So this is what I'll say uh, is on my side of what's popping. That's so cool, man. That's so cool. You talk about one of the most difficult things to do, especially with, which I would consider growing your brand through YouTube. That, ten, that tends to be the most sophisticated platform out of the others. And so to get some AI help in that space, super credible or super dope. So <clears throat> on the business side, man, really interesting, right? The FTC issues a warning about the use of AI for marketers, especially within the business field. So for those who don't know, the FTC is the Federal Trade Commission and their role in the economy is to really help uh, run analysis that provide consumer protection, right? So they're constantly looking at how does the government's involvement in business, how does that affect business and consumers? And of course, they're also looking at common business practices so that they can do their best to protect the consumers. Now, over the past several months, especially since the launch of ChatGBT, and we've talked about it on the podcast several times, just in their crazy rank and, and, and growth in such a short period of time, but the hype of AI has not slowed down. As we all know, they, Microsoft got behind them with a $10 billion investment, but then Snap, has also been a recent partner of theirs. Bain & Company has also been a recent partner of theirs. And so uh, two big players have entered the chat. See what I did there? Two big players have entered the chat. I see with what you did there. I see. I like you. that, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, so since then, another company has come out the woodworks. It's, it's creating an AI workflow product called Typeface. And they just announced a $65 million funding round. And so growth is coming out the wazoo. So with the AI hype just continuing to rise, the FTC said, okay, hold on a second. We gonna need to lay some boundaries because this thing can get really ugly very quickly. And so they specifically targeted businesses and specifically those who are marketers around how to use AI in your marketing. So listen up for this. They issued four main things, right? They said, number one, do not exaggerate the AI performance capabilities, right? Don't go out there and saying that AI is going to make you 100 times more productive than you could if you worked by yourself. It's like if you don't have proven fact to come and say that this is what's happening, you can't just exaggerate the performance of AI to get users to buy into your product or service, right? Number two is to not 
promise that AI is more effective than non-AI products without concrete proof, right? Ultimately the same thing, but saying, hey, you can't just shoot a competitor down simply because they don't have an AI technology, unless you have proof, of course. So you wanna be mindful of that. The second thing is to be accepting of risk and repercussions, especially the fact that AI over time may create biased results. So it's like, hey, be mindful as you're talking about the benefits of AI, also talk about how if used improperly, it can create some risk. There are some risks associated with it as well. And then lastly, to ensure that the product itself relies on AI in a demonstrable fashion, right? So like they're, they're really uh, setting these groundworks, which I find interesting because when the FTC something that high in government is now starting to get involved and saying, hey, let's create some balance, almost like checks and balances for the business world. That lets you know that AI has picked up a tremendous amount of steam in very short time period. So uh, for those of you who are in marketing out there and you are working on AI products or services yourself, uh, heads up for these guidelines because this is one of those things that you don't want to deal with. You don't want FTC knocking on your door like, hey, did you know that you violate? Uh, no, 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 no. I am staying clear of that. So very interesting. Just wanted to share that from a business standpoint. Fire. Appreciate you, Moose. Now uh, it is time to announce the creator of the week. Moose, who is the creator Man. of the week? Man, this is a funny story. When uh, th this person first came on the scene, uh, Nikki and I were talking about him. And I was like, man, you know, um, I can listen, but only for but so long because I, I can sometimes zone out. You know, they, they tend to use this uh, this phrase over and over, which is, uh, you understand me? You understand me? You understand me? And you probably know who I'm talking about, man. Creator of the week is none other than 19 Keys. But to be honest with you, the man has done incredible work and he's been on a heck of a run. I mean, it seems like he's everywhere, literally from uh, fashion shows to TV premieres to uh, just everywhere. But ever since uh, his collaboration with EYL and their network and the launch of high level conversations, they've done incredible numbers. So he shared this earlier in the week. He said that since the launch of the show, they've gotten 22 million views half a billion impressions and 12 million watch hours. I feel like that deserves some air horns, Nick. Oh, listen. Sheesh. Got it. Man, so from the likes of Dame Dash and uh, many others who've joined the conversation to really talk about knowledge of self, liberation, and doing business and even operating uh, masculinity in a, in a new light, uh, I think that this was definitely worthy of a highlight. So 19 Keys, much love to uh, all that you're doing from the Nikki and Moose Club. And um, if you ever want to come on the show, I mean, hey, you know, our people know your people and we could, uh, we could do a little interview, interview real quick. So there it is, man. There you have it. Shout out to 19 Keys. I as well love the, the content. Uh, and all that, all of it. So uh, let's get into the blueprint. And what we've realized 
when it comes to entrepreneurs, service-based businesses in general, one of the biggest pain points is prices, right? When to raise your prices, how to raise your prices, is it too soon, what's happening? And in this day and age where there is inflation, even some of the big dogs, I mean, like CEOs like Chipotle, AutoZone, Kroger, these types of players are, are talking about how easy for them right now it is to raise their prices. We view a little bit of inflation as always good in our business. We would expect to be able to pass that through. And as I've said before, you know, inflation has been a little bit of our friend in terms of what we see in retail pricing. We want to make sure that we're not leaving any pricing on the table. We'll take as much pricing as the consumer can absorb. And we know if we need to take more pricing, we have room to do it. To date, we've seen no resistance from our customers. I'm really pleased our sales teams have gotten much better at pricing than ever in the history of the company. We're not going to be giving this pricing back. Now it's not a matter of can we take a price increase. Now it's about how much of a price increase are you going to take. So with that, those are big dogs. But when we talk about some of the personal brands, some of the service providers, is it that easy? And what we've come across is not necessarily that easy. There's some fears to it. There's some confusion. There's some bad practices, some good practices. So we've, we've collected a few clips as far as what's good, what's bad, but really the how from a new standpoint, from a new client customer and an existing one. So let's, let's look or listen to this first part. This $50,000 AP is not better than my Apple Watch. In fact, my Apple Watch is significantly better in many, in many regards. The truth is price is just what somebody is willing to pay for something. Price is an illusion. It's not real. I work with a lot of clients who are afraid to charge high prices for the product or service. Here's how you get over that. The first thing I do is I just tell them to add more to their product or service, make it more valuable. An example would be for online training is that you're going to have more check-in calls or you're going to check in with them every day to make sure that they actually followed their diet or they followed the workout plan. Basically, I want them to feel like they're over delivering even at that higher price. This way they won't feel so bad about charging more and they'll feel like they should charge that amount. So that's one point, right? That's adding value. But what if you don't necessarily add value? How, el how else can you raise the price? And we got one from Chris uh, Doe. If you're closing more than 60, 70%, it's because your ask is too small. Okay. I mean, if you're, every client walks in the door, keeps saying yes, you gotta look at yourself in the mirror like, I'm not asking for enough or I'm giving away too much. Either way, you need to charge more. Shorthand, if you get three yeses, charge more. You raise your price, now you get too many no's. What should you do? Lower your price. Find that stasis between supply and demand. Pretty logical. You guys agree? Now, that was from a new client and customer standpoint. Now, Moose, which way do you go? Do you go with the add value and it uh, kind of makes sense to increase the, the price? Or are you the type that is uh, three and then raise it? And then three more mm -hmm. and raise it. Three more yeah. and then hold on. Let me balance it out and raise it again. 
Yeah, yeah. I've done both. Right now I'm on Chris Doe's model, but I've done both. In the beginning of my career, I think with every entrepreneur, there is, especially with service-based uh, or being in a service-based industry, there's a little bit of insecurity or lack of confidence around how much you should price your service to position yourself in the marketplace. And so in the beginning, I definitely struggled with that. It, it was a hurdle just to get to the point to say a price, to say that there's there's a price tag involved with uh, my ability to speak, communicate, with train, whatever. And so you start super low and then little by little you start increasing or whatever. And there was a, a tremendous build up there. But I'll never forget a conversation I had with Anthony Flynn, actually, in Vegas. Believe it or not, it was my first time in Vegas. And we sat down and he challenged me to this big project, right? He said, regardless of what you think your price should be, I want you to take on a challenge where you build a $50,000 proposal. And shout out to my Extreme Execution coaches, because you know I've taken you through this challenge multiple times. And someone actually got a quarter million dollar sponsorship uh, sponsor ship recently just off of that challenge. They were like, oh, that challenge helped me get that. I was like, that's crazy. I, it was literally something that was done to help us overcome the fear of pricing in general. But long story short, his biggest thing was continue to add value to your services until you get comfortable with the price that you're asking for. And so if you're uncomfortable with what you want to ask for, just start there. Call a price and then add value where there's a 10 to 1 ratio. There's a 10 to 1 ratio between the value that you're providing and the price that you're asking for. So at that point, you should feel a little bit better about it. But to your to answer your question, right now I'm at a point in my career where I'm certainly gauging the brand credibility, my association in the marketplace, and I am always mindful of how quickly I get yeses. Those like snap of a yes. I'm like, ah, okay. That's an indicator that next time I need to I need to revisit how I'm positioning myself because clearly something is increasing, right? Either it's from a brand standpoint, the the perception, because I think to a, lot, a large extent, that's what the that's what the brand uh, uh, pricing is. It's more of a perception, like wow, I associate this level of value with this particular brand just because of how it makes me feel, the status, the experience. And I'm not downgrading quality because some some brands absolutely provide quality, but I'm just saying that's one side of it. And so. Uh, it lets me know that there's something I need to reevaluate and probably boost the prices a little bit. It just happened actually on Friday, so it's coming. It's coming. Is, is there an <laughs> is there a, like an itch or something that's like, hold on, I think it's time to raise my prices. Like, what what is a an indication? I know with with Chris Doe is more of the three three yeses then, okay, maybe it's time, right? But if we go with the value one, which is one of the, one of the ones that I favor, but even just in general, like you're doing something, maybe you're not even getting that many clients to say, you know, the three, three yeses, yes. but is there a feeling for you that come, comes in like, okay, now it's time? No, to be honest with you, no. I think that Increase doesn't always have to happen in the price category. Okay. Increase can happen in a new layer of your business as well. Mm. You can almost create a new tier or a new level that still satisfies the need for growth, 
without just simply increasing the price to the marketplace. I've always said it, look, at the end of the day, we're educators. To a large extent, we're a different maybe type of educator, but at the end of the day, we're educators. And I always have felt that uh, education should be free, right? I, I favor that concept of it. Now, yes, of course, people pay less when they don't pay, et cetera, et cetera. We know this, but for me, I would never get to a point where I want to make things unaffordable. Like that's never a goal. I want to reach new tiers in, in the way I do business that maybe move away from education. And I'm doing tangible business deals that I can maybe meet some financial goals or whatever the scale interest is. But from an education standpoint or a service level, there's a cap to it that I wouldn't allow myself to get to that point. Like, oh, I just want to raise my price just to say I raised it. Like, that's that's not how I do it. I don't think it should be done that way either. Yeah, I I have to agree with that. I think I, I really go with one, am I like expert vibes in the price that I'm in already, right? Have I surpassed that particular price that's one of the one of the feelings that i go through but but two like some of the goals that i have can it meet with the pricing that i that i um have right now can i meet those goals but also am i devaluing myself by this price too you know sometimes when we're beginning we set a price and then we're just thinking of, oh, let me just get in the game. Let me just get in the game. And when we are talking about raising prices and we're not truly evaluating some of the things that we have in place, have I mastered it? Um, you know, have I, ha even the marketplace, what's the marketplace doing it? What are some of the things they have from a, top tier to a average tier to a low tier? What does that kind of look like? Like there's a lot of factors to put in place when we're raising our, our prices. But for me, it really goes with where am I trying to go? Am I creating a price point for my true audience? Like it's more, I don't want to, Outshoot them. I don't want to do that. I want to raise the prices, but in a fair standpoint. So for me, it's always going to be the, the value. But okay, you knew me as this price, but with this price, and I think of it from a tier standpoint, with this price, you can get maybe one or two more things. One or two more things. Now, when it comes to, let's say, my consulting fees, I haven't necessarily added extra value to maybe outside looking in, but the extra value in my head is my expertise is on a whole different level knowledge. now. Right. Right. The knowledge that like what you may have gotten for, let's say the hundred dollar is nothing compared to what you're going to get for the thousand five hundred or the 5,000 or the whatever it may be, right? Not saying those, I'm just, don't quote <laughs> me, be like, Nikki, you said this. And I don't, mm -mm. prices went up possibly by the time you talk to me. I don't know. I don't know, right? But that's how I also look at things. Like, where was I 
when I came up with this price, where am I now? And if I can really change results based out of this price increase, what, what's the problem? Right. What's the problem? So I can go in two ways. I could do the let me add extra value. But to me, that's the extra knowledge that I've that I've consumed. Right. That's the extra knowledge that I've more on a practitioner vibe have actually done and seen it work, seen other people work it. And now here we go packaging it up and doing it in this way. Or, uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I set a price. You said it too quickly. Yes. Me and Moose have had these conversations where I'm like, hey, I didn't even think about it. They said, yes. All right. Boom. And sometimes yeah. it, with the way that Moose has has for me, it's like, oh, we don't we don't wait for three. It's the next one. It's like price goes up on the next one. Let's see if there's a, l a little bit of hesitation. If there's a little bit of hesitation, they see the value. But that's that's a that's a price. They didn't expect that price, but they see the value. Mm -hmm. Okay, we could work with that, right? So I think when we when we're pricing our stuff, I like the there's a little bit of hesitancy. I like the whole. Okay. Hold, hold on, let me think about this. I see you. You're so worth it. That's why I love it. You're so worth it. Let me let me see about this. Hold on. Let me let me talk. Yeah. Let me talk to the 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 significant other. Let me talk to my team. Let me talk to whoever. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let me yeah, let yeah. me talk to the let me let me get a second pick, but I'm coming right back, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that that space is it means you're in like in a good place when you when you raise your prices. Yeah. Yeah. I I believe that. But when you get the nah, chill out. <laughs> Why? For what? Or yep. Both of those places are bad. Mm -hmm. Both of those mm -hmm. places are bad. Yeah, Great. you got to watch out with those for sure. You got to watch out with those. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, remember, you want people to understand, like, how you're justifying the ask, too. Mm -hmm. right, like, you, you got to be able to justify it. And when some people, and by the way, some people may not see it. And that's okay, too. Some people will be like, absolutely not. You're bugging. And if, and I don't always take that, that response serious because I know that maybe you don't fully understand. And that tends to happen, by the way, from referrals. Referrals, mm -hmm. as much as everyone raves about like, oh yeah, when you get a referral, it's the best business. Kind of. You know, I like people who find out about the work themselves. Right. They've already convinced themselves that, yo, there's value here. I know what you can do. And I'm coming because of that. Mm -hmm. But when you heard it through a third party, the third party is not as geeked per se as, you know, the person who made the discovery themselves. Mm -hmm. I don't know. And maybe it's just me, but I've never had a positive like, oh my God, this was the greatest referral in the history of the world. Right. Every referral I've gotten is always like, well, and they don't see it, but I never take it personal from referral. So for me, at least in what I do, I don't, I don't, I don't really geek up over the referral. Cause yeah, I, literally I can think back even to my early days, the referrals have always been skeptical for whatever reason. So I don't take it personal. Like if I get a no from a referral, I'm like, nope, I get it. Just recently there was uh, a double booking on uh, the, the, the dates of the UOU 
uh, summit mm -hmm. that I told you about, and it was for an opportunity out in Cali. And then, uh, you know, they inquired about dates and availability and pricing. I was like, well, it's super recent. Like you're asking me about something two weeks from now. And so of course there's some things already on the calendar, but then they say, oh, well, we want to know pricing so we can compare it to what the other person's charging. And so I'm, I'm already out the loop. Like anytime you compare me to somebody else, the other person is going to win because I'm not cheap. Like it's, it's not going to work. <laughs> but again, it's like the friend of a friend that whatever. So yeah, those, those typically don't, don't work out the greatest. So my point in all that to say is sometimes with the referrals or people who don't understand it, don't take their feedback too seriously either because they're not really in the network or in, in the market like that. But, but your people, like your audience, when they start to give you that feedback, then yeah, for sure. You gotta, you gotta pay attention to that. Yeah. I'm not a fan of, of referrals. I'm gonna be honest with yeah, you. I'm straight not a up. fan yeah, yeah, yeah. of, he, he, he made that sound great. I'm not a fan of it because you almost expect the same favor as the original person that, got, that came there. So meaning the same price, cause I don't know the conversation that you had, Maybe the same, uh, you know, the same energy, the same access or whatever. Um, and sometimes to the extent it could happen, but sometimes it's like a comparison of, well, the, you did this for this person. You did this for that person. You did, like, chill out, chill out. It's, it's me and you. Like, so mm -hmm. I'm, I'm cool with referrals when it makes sense. Uh, if it doesn't make sense, I'm not opposed to saying no. Like not yeah, saying yeah. a good fit. And and that's another thing. Like, do you have enough confidence to say this is this is not a good fit? Like where it starts to become when you raise your prices and here here we go with a negotiating fee, do you already have in your mind what I'm not lowering it down to, or if I'm lowering it down, period. Mm. Right? Because like how Chris said at the end of it, when you raise your prices, you're going to hear a few no's, right? I, I never get discouraged off of the first no or the second no. The third no, I'm like, okay, hold on, right? Hold on. You may have to reevaluate. But can you stay strong when people are saying no? Can, is it like my fee is my fee? Or do you go... And some people do this depending on who it is. Okay, I'm not going underneath this amount. So I'm going to shoot this price. I wouldn't say even high. I just will shoot this price that is what I determine to be my new price. But I will not go lower for this particular opportunity, this particular client, particular customer, as I'm trying to figure out a happy medium. As I'm trying to figure out once I'm getting all these no's, what is that yes Kind of like, uh, like that, like I said, that hesitation, but you know what, we're going to rock out with it. So I think having that confidence to say no or negotiate for nothing lower than this is another skill that people have to get. Because if you don't, you're going to get ran over all the time. Like, you're like, mm -hmm. eh, yeah, sure. Go ahead. Yeah, sure, go ahead, right? But you also can't get in your feelings when they're like, nah, I'm good. That's me. Straight up, straight up. Yeah, not all feedback is good feedback. Absolutely. Facts, facts. Now, 
We talked about the new clients, the new customers, but what about the existing clientele, the existing customers? Now that's always tricky, I feel. I feel like you you don't want to ruin that, you know, business relationship. Is it more of like they'll understand? Is it grandfathered? Are we putting a couple of extra dollars, a couple of extra hundreds? How are we going about this? So uh, we got Chris Doe and, and a friend and a friend talking about how to approach existing customers. So let's look into, into that. So raising your prices on existing customers is just a hard sell because the customer, the client is used to getting what they're getting for that price. And when you start saying, well, my prices went up because they just, they, they don't, all they hear is, what's the deal? I'm used to this. I want what I want. And every time a new client comes in, you must raise your prices. You, I mean, must raise your prices because every time you raise your price, you're going to have, I think, a value conversation. Position yourself as an expert, not as a service provider. What's the biggest driver in price? There's two things. Two things to drive price. What is it? So when there's a lot of supply and little demand, the price is going to go down. So this is not even about magic or deception. It's just really about controlling supply and demand. So I love I love that clip because one understanding that supply and demand situation. And sometimes nine out of ten times we're in we're in markets that has high supply. High. Like there's all these other uh physical trainers. There's all these mm -hmm. other consultants. There's all these other cameras. There's all the, like, so there has to be a, a unique way about you that stands out that creates the demand, right? You have to truly do something that is super unique compared to everybody else in order to be like, yo, I'm raising my prices because of this. Now, when you go more into, hey, I'm, I'm raising my prices because I got new staff or I got a new building or I got uh, extra equipment and things like that. I promise you, the client doesn't care. Though they may understand it, they do not care because it doesn't. Problem to me. Right. It doesn't change the results because you have this problem or you're trying to solve some of your overhead, some of your timing situations, right? So now we have to think about it also of, okay, but what do we do? Like I'm increasing my pricing. I can't stay in this introductory price all the time. And so you can look at things like Netflix, right? Netflix is constantly uh, charging us more money. So so kind of let's break that down. Netflix is raising their prices again. The basic plan is going from $8.99 to $9.99 a month. The standard plan will now run you $15.49 a month and the premium plan $19.99 a month. 
These new prices apply to new members as of now and will gradually take effect for existing subscribers. Does it really even matter? Analysts say no, Netflix customers don't really seem to care if their prices increase so long as they can still watch their shows. And that goes with the demand. Like, we're going to continue to pay the extra dollar, two dollars, but Netflix is smart. It's, I'm not going to charge you five, 10, 15, 18, 20, 50 more dollars just because they believe the demand is high. They're going to gradually add it up. Uh, what was it when it was uh, Warren Buffett talking about Coca-Cola, right? Yeah. The reason that he got super rich off of it because he added a cent or something, right? Like Crazy. Just, and you don't feel it. With existing clients, you don't want to mess up the experience. You don't want to, you don't want them to feel the, the price change. You don't want them to feel the experience being a little bit different, right? So for, for me, I'm always thinking about what more do I add to it to uh, justify the price increase? Or uh, how can I just make it a little bit more that it doesn't necessarily make them think, hmm, hold on, let me get back to you on that, right? Like, and, and once again, it's more on if you have a good product, service, content, whatever your, your thing is, it's not a matter of, because with Netflix, it has great content. It's not a matter of the price. It is a matter of how comfortable you make the customer feel. And that it's not just for you. It's with them in best in mind as well. So are, are with this increase of price, am I, is my results being increased? Whether from a results of uh, motivation, whether it's a results of revenue, whether it's a results of education, whether it's a results of relief and, and less anxiety status is, is my results increasing with the increase of your prices. If not, uh, what are we talking about? What, what are we doing? I'm, I'm confused. So these are some of the things with the existing customers, existing clients that I feel that I think the Netflix model, the Coca-Cola model, is a good avenue to kind of look at, or even going back to what Brandon Carter, the first guy, who uh, talking about you know the AP and the Apple Watch, going back to hey, what is my value stacking looking like if I'm increasing it? Right for for me, I care more about the people. So if I started you at this price, nine out of ten times I'm grandfathering you, like yo. Thanks. But. When I raise the prices, what I'm going to do is value stack the rest, the new clients. And so the other people are going to be like, hold on. Uh, okay, I'm at this price. I'm at the grandfathered price. But I don't. I ain't getting. But I ain't getting this. <laughs> now you, now yeah. they're like, uh, do I save the money or do I get the experience? So I get so, more value, yeah. Right, right. Do I get that? Mm -hmm. So now you're giving your your clients a, a choice. They 
they don't feel offended that you kept them at that price that you promised with the same access that you promised them or the same, you know, level of service that you, you, you promised them, but they are clearly seeing, oh snap, hold up. Like AT&T, I am Gucci on my plan forever in a day, unless they make something like you get uh, overseas for super, super free and web browsing and and then we give you a new phone you don't even have to pay for it if all that mm. oh absolutely increase me <laughs> increase me now right, right right yeah but if not i'm gonna stay right here so that's that's my process that's my thought process when it comes to increasing that because it's like i'm not trying to offend you because i don't know in in the way the world is this cancel culture, this I will get on Twitter, Instagram real quick to say something. I'm trying to make sure everybody is Gucci. Like, mm -hmm. that's all. Yeah, like, yeah. let's end. If we're going to end, let's end on a on a Gucci note, like a cool Thanks. note. I don't want no problems. We may we just may not be a great fit no more. But you're not going to be like, Tuh, you know what? They did. They raised the right, price right, and they right. didn't do anything different. Absolutely. Right. I don't want that. Yeah. Yeah. Key key phrase to take note of here, folks, and literally just to go in teacher mode for a second. Make note of this because this is important. So, yes, sometimes it's valid to uh, raise your price. Thanks for taking notes on that, Nick. I got you. Um, shout out, shout out to those who are watching the video on this. But the 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 phrase is the frequency of your increase. All right, that's important because if you fast forward, and I kind of disagree with the analysts of what they said about Netflix, by the way, because they raised the price, but then they raised the price almost like two or three times in a very short time period, and it upset a lot of customers, myself included. I canceled my Netflix subscription because I'm like, nah, hold up a second. Yeah, if you increase once, cool, got you. Everyone's doing it. It's a dollar here, two dollars there. Like you said, it's it's under ten percent increase. That's okay, but if you continue to increase, the 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 frequency of increasing is happening. It's like every three four months. It's like hold on a second. All right. <laughs> what's the what's the logic behind increasing the price like five times faster than inflation? Like I get, cause I'm a, I'm a logic guy. So I know if you're increasing the price because of inflation, I get it. That's what the CEOs use to justify it, right? Hey, the cost of business is doing, is going up. Salaries are increasing this increase. So we have to pass the cost over. But if you're increasing far beyond that frequency, that makes me look at you like an unethical business person. Mm -hmm. Right? So I don't rock with that. So for me, I'm always like, no, 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 no. First of all, you're not going to speed yeah. past that. Like you didn't just say what you just said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah no nah. for me it's like and, and i'll be honest with you at like if you can just be ethical in how you do business you don't have to worry about overpricing underpricing i've never had I, me personally i've never had that problem the, I, I think i told you the example of someone who we were in conversation on, uh, and this this how this is a real life story i kid you not in conversation about entering a partnership and this is a multi-million dollar business. And this person came to me and said, hey, listen, I thought about what you said. I want to take you up on a partnership offer. 
and I want to go 60-40 in your favor. Mm. Listen to this, 60-40 in your favor. I'm like, oh, shoot, you're not That's sweet. Great. Like 60, Where do I hey, sign? 60, Let's 60%. talk about it. Yeah, I turned it down. How, I turned what? it First down. First of all, you're not going to speed past that. Like, you didn't just say what you just said. <laughs> you know, in serious, when you get Kevin Hart twice in less than right. a minute. <laughs> yeah. I turned it down. It's not ethical. It's like, yo, that's your business. You built this. Mm. You are an active operator of this business. I'm giving you my expertise to help better operate and scale. I'm not going to take... Like, that's like me stealing from you. And I'm not putting no money down. Like, I'm not investing. I'm just coming with my talent. Like, yo, what's up? Let's build. And you're mm. going to give me 60? I said, absolutely not. I'm not doing that. Mm. It was, and, until this day, our partnership is still intact. And there's never been a question about money. Never. I'm ethical. I'm ethical. Mm. All right. And sometimes you got to. And, and that's why I always go back to, man, when when you when you work on yourself and you get to a place where you you, you see the world as abundance, like it's in your favor, you can do anything you want. It's, it's no all of this stuff is a game. Like I look at money and business like I talk about. It's a game. It's just something to do when there's nothing to do. But the real the real work that we're doing on this earth is to end up in heaven. Like, that's what it's about, y'all. Like, I'm, I'm being honest. That's that's what this thing is really about. Business, all of this other stuff, that's just something you do, like, on the side. That's like a little side piece hobby that we do. But when that's your main goal, you do the side piece in a way that's different than everybody else. You treat the business world like, whoa, you turn down, yeah. It's not ethical. You didn't build that. You didn't put mm. no money up into that. That don't. That's not how you do business, right? So I've I've been inspired by people like Nipsey and Rick Ross. There's one one uh, clip in particular, and and we talked about this probably like three years ago. He said, "I want what's mine, not more, and not less. Right. I want I want the fair amount of what's of what's mine." So. Not to go off chart here because you know I started talking about God in heaven, so it's about to be a different hey, conversation, hey. but. <laughs> we can go there. We can go yeah, there. Yeah, but but just, that's just me and how I operate. And and because you know what what like a pet peeve of mine, and and they do this because they know we can't do anything about it. I was about to like say freaking and curse and stuff, but Woo-hoo! but the but the no Be freaking freak freak the freaking um the the tolls, bro. Like oh. here here in New York. Yo, they've raised the tolls every year for the last 20 years religiously. Oh, yeah. New York, please. Uh, whoever the governor is right now, I don't even know who you are anymore. Can we please get a handle on the toll? But that's my point, right? This is how you get people angry with the service is because the rate of increase, the frequency of increase, it's just too much. And it upsets people. Now, of course, New York got you in a chokehold. If you yes. can't cross a bridge to get in and out of the state or to out of work, you can't do nothing about it. You just, you know, whatever, you pay. But I'm saying for these other services, but believe me, if, if that frequency of increase is happening too much, a lot of people are going to jump. It's like, yeah, no, that don't make sense. Yeah, but that one that one goes, and we, we had a clip, maybe Isaiah, you could play it for the video side, where uh, David Shans was talking about uh, shade room and mm. it was like yo the post on the shade room 
Don't quote me. I don't know. I'm never posted on the shade room. Uh, is rumored to be like four thousand dollars per post, but it used to be two thousand. And the reason why I kept increasing is because people will pay for it. So we look mm. at the subway and the tolls. Like the demand is so like we need this. Yeah. People are going to pay. They're going to complain. Absolutely, mm-hmm. yo. Why are we Furious. raising this? Blah blah blah. But they're going to pay it because they need. When you are in need, mm-hmm. you can demand whatever price and increase it at any rate that you want to. You will create some disgruntled people, but you're in need, and they're going to to pay for it. There's people who need the shade room and blogs like that. Because it gives them extra exposure than doing it by themselves or even doing it through ads. So is if you are doing an inc- a crazy increase or the frequency of your pricing is the increase of your pricing is crazy, then you have to look at it like, am I a need? Mm-hmm. If I'm a need, let's get to it. If I'm not. Let's do this in a strategic way so I can make sure my cash flow is on point. Yeah. I'm not trying to mess up my cash flow, but. That's well said. I'm just saying. So, uh, raise your prices, people. But we gave like two, three different types of blueprints. You pick, you pick how you do that. And actually comment whether tweet us, hit us up on uh, Instagram, Facebook, um, TikTok, however you want to go about it, or if you're watching this on YouTube, hit us up in the comments. What is your way of increasing prices? What and and maybe what was a bad experience that you had from a consumer standpoint of when somebody mm-hmm. increased? Because what we can learn from when we are consumers, not necessarily when we are the providers or the brands or the businesses, we learn from other people's mistakes when we are consumers. So let us know maybe a bad experience of when somebody increased their prices on you. Okay. Now we're running a little bit late and I'm okay because I want to talk about this because Moose gave me this Mm -hmm. clip and I was like, okay, we had two other this or that and it went all the way like to the left and mm-hmm. one of them is going to be the after show so definitely go check out the after show on apple podcast but the question and i'm gonna let moose set this up but the question of do we really monetize our passion like everybody go chase your passion go chase your passion right and there's some people that were like Make money off of your passion. In that voice. Make money on your passion. That's how I heard it. (laughs) But is that really the route to go? So uh, Moose set this up. Uh, Who who are we talking about? Yeah, man. So this is cool, right? This is a, a YouTuber who really took off in 2021. His name is Jed. He's going to abbreviate his last name to the letter C. Right. And Jed was a a software engineer prior to getting into content or the world of content creation, uh, where he started his vlogs. 
But then he made a slightly different decision than what would most people expect, even after reaching stardom as a content creator. So here it is. Lately, having to film, not because I want to, but because I have to, because it's my job, has really turned me off to the whole doing YouTube as a job thing. The pressure of having it be your job and you don't want to film makes you hate it a whole lot more. I knew something had to change was pretty much the past two months, I've been spending a lot of time coding my personal project, ratemydorm.com, and it came to a point where I was really enjoying coding that project and dreading filming to the point where YouTube became the job that I dreaded and coding was my creative outlet. And the fact that that totally switched made me realize that I need to do something different to fall back in love with making videos again. Mm. Wow. So, so Moose, are we, are we monetizing our passion? Are we <sighs> keeping our passion sacred and like close to us? I have, I have my take, but I want to Yo, that's, that's so tough because I honestly resonate with both sides of the argument. Like, I resonate with, yo, monetize. You got, I mean, are you kidding me? Mm -hmm. But then I also resonate because there was a season where I was starting to feel the same exact thing. Like, ah, I'm dreading this. I wish I didn't have to rely on this for money. Like, I really was in both positions. It's safe to say that I'm back on the monetization boy, but <laughs> there was a season. <laughs> safe to say I'm back on the money train. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> safe to say I'm just get that money player. <laughs> oh man, but yeah, wow. Nah, I feel you though. I've, what do you got to say to that? That's interesting. Hmm. So, I am really so it's weird, right? So, <laughs> it's weird. It, it because there is. A thing that I am very passionate about that I monetized and I dreaded it and I took it back. So what I mean by that is editing. I used to love mm. doing that. I used to love it. I used to love telling stories. And then when it became a, when I monetized it and how people wanted me to do it this way and that way and that wasn't good. I didn't like that. I said, no, we're not editing for no more. We're not doing mm. it. Not doing it. I'll teach others the kind of the ways of doing that. And now I think I'm going to be more intentional from how I pick certain clips and be intentional teaching that a little bit better because I literally was just like, nope, not doing it. Isaiah, you got it, go, right? And I literally just went, yes or no. Now, another thing that I am passionate about is what I research and, you know, um, tell to the people as far as content, social media, right? That has become definitely something that I love to do and that I make money from. I think for me, as long as it's not super service-based, I can do it all day, right? Now we've been intentional with packaging it and putting it out to the public with whether it's, you know, uh, courses, uh, audio, whatever. But even, for example, with this podcast, right? I'm almost happy. I'm, I'm going to say this. I'm almost happy that 
we are not super relying from a revenue standpoint from the podcasting because I know there are some seasons that we went through this podcast that I was like, Mm-mm, nope, nope, not doing it. Right. But because mm-hmm. it's it's a passion type vibe, you want to do it, even though you may not be in the mood for it. Right. Yeah. You may not like so I I totally go with what he says as far as like you know once once it becomes like a chore once like you have to do it and for me I'm the routine type like I hate routine even though I understand the importance of it there's certain things that and I think it's also because I don't put so much let's say respect on money like you're not going to sway me to feel happy because mm. I made this amount of month, m- amount of money right. that doesn't do anything for me. So if you totally did this, you went all in on this, you can make all this money, but I'm making all this money over here and I'm happy about doing this. I'm happy spending my spare time doing this. I don't know if I would be happy doing this part full time and like then it becomes the business part and the business part goes with the managing part, the communication part, all those parts that we've talked about on the podcast that I struggle with on the after show. Then it becomes that and I don't want none of it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 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 It feels like a job. Right. So the, the content creation side of me, Though I do know how to monetize it and I monetize it very well. I don't want, there's a part of me that doesn't necessarily want to go and make it the hundred percent all I do situation. I don't want to put all my eggs in a basket for a monetization side of my passion. I want to uh, keep my passion just something I really look forward to, something I really love to do. So I edit only for me. Like, that's it. Maybe one mm-hmm. other person, right? And it'd be like, not even on the extent of how I would normally edit. It's just like, I got you, don't worry about it. Boom, boom, boom. But for me, I'm trying sound effects. I'm doing different things. I'm like, and I can do it when I want to. Mm-hmm. I don't have to do it. I have a team that edits some of the stuff that I do. I have a team. We have a team for the podcast. I don't have to. But if I want to, I can. And no one's going to say, yeah. no, don't do it. You suck. Stop it. Can't. No. I love the freedom of keeping my passion my passion. Um, and from a strategic standpoint, with the teaching and the research part, uh, as long as it's not something I have to show up every single day and like do it for a monetizing standpoint, I'm good. Mm. Like I don't want to lean on it to make money. I want to do it more on a service base. I want to do it to really impact people. And if it makes money on the, in the process, 
great, but I'm not intentionally making money on it because then I may not like, I'm going to find things wrong with it. I'm going to find things wrong with it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's how, that's how I vote of how I look at my content, to be honest with you. Like I've never worked with anyone where I told them, yeah, my goal is to do this with my content. It's like, no, my content is just me expressing my principles, my thoughts, my ideas, my methods, but I don't want to monetize that. Like mm-hmm. that's not, that's not what that is for. And when I tried in the past, I failed miserably. Like I burned myself out so much that I took off for two years. I didn't want to even like nothing. I was like, no, like I'm, I'm still, I was in it. And that was that time where I was questioning it. And I realized I wasn't like, I did it wrong or I, I, I went about it the wrong way because that's not how I found fulfillment in it. It wasn't based on how much money I was making off of the content. It was how it was resonating with people, how many people felt moved by the message. That was more important to me. And so when it came more about the money than than it was about that, I started to get a little, you know, just, I guess I was fighting myself internally. So I had to rewire. But you know, another thing I want to ask people, especially the listeners or viewers who are watching this, are you doing something because it's your passion? Or are you doing something because it's popular? Mm. But I want you, I want you to think about that for a second, because for a season, especially during post-COVID era, and and I really think people are going to recognize the effects of the pandemic in the years to come, and they won't know that it was initiated or rooted in the pandemic. I think everyone swept those two years under the rug, like, all right, good, we out of here, no more COVID, let's go. Like, no, 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 you're going to recognize the effects of what it was to be locked up for two years for the next couple of years to come, especially if you're someone who just who isn't paying attention or really studying how that impacted your, you know, your perspective, your behavior and how, and, and how you are as a person. And so post pandemic, everyone was so big into this work from home era, freedom, et cetera. And so they were going into pockets of industries that gave those perks and they saw it as a passion, but in reality, it was just, it was what's popular. Mm. It met the need to feel as though, oh, I can be in this pocket. It's the same thing with podcasting. Everyone is talking about podcasting is down. It's like, podcasting is down for people who got into podcasting because it was popular. It's like, oh, yo, podcasting, booming, billions of dollars. You saw my guy's deal oh, right wait, here with Spotify. All, gonna I'm going. That. Like, you didn't just say what you just said. <laughs> It's like, come on, man. You and you got in because it was popular, not because it was your passion. And so again, I take you back. Do you really know who you are? When you know who you are, you don't need to be associated with things to feel a part of the crowd. Like, no, you good. You good with or without it. You're okay with it. It's like, no, I'm, I'm fine. If I do it, it's because I really want to do it. My heart is in it. I'm passionate about it. I'm not doing it because it's popular. I don't, I don't get you know, put in a group with the cool kids. And I'm like, yes, now I'm cool. Like, no, I know I'm cool. If I do it, it's because I want to do it. I don't need to do it to be cool. So that's a question I want to leave for our listeners and viewers, man. Are you doing it because it's your passion? Or are you doing it because it's what's popular? Um, you might take that with final words right there. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> we can end it. Uh, Moose has been his bag this whole... Podcast. A couple, I, I want to say two, three, four in a row. <laughs> just just listen to the back ones, not the interview ones. Just when it's us, every time it's us, Moose is on fire. 
Just let that let that know. Pod, podcast Moose takes over the lives. I take over. It's great. It's a great balance. Yeah. Because golly, <laughs> I, 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 forget, yeah. I think it was the last episode or where we were not the interview. Shout out to Glenn. Um, mm-hmm. But the one before that, where you said a final word and I was just like, Isaiah's probably oh, going to yeah. find the face or whatever. <laughs> but I was so like, golly, can we just stay back? Can this not be the final word? Can we talk about this? Can but, we talk about this? <laughs> yeah, can we talk? You're not just going to stop it there. That's right, wild. Right. But mm. yep. Yeah, okay. I'm, 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 I'm going to fall back. I'm going to fall back. People, uh, make sure you check out Creator Ave. It comes out Fridays, audio only on your favorite podcast player, whether it's Apple Podcasts, iHeart, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Amazon, wherever you listen to podcasts, go check out Creator Ave. It's a whole vibe. Follow us on all social media platforms. Definitely hit us up on YouTube for the video version, right? If you're watching the video version, we love you and appreciate you. Just share this out for other people. And yeah, of course, um, Moose, if you have final words or just repeat what you just said. Hey, hey, are you doing what you're doing because it's popular or because it's really your passion? That's the question to ponder on. That's uh, the the question of the word. What is it? Final questions <laughs> instead of final words. Here's the final question. There it is. <laughs>